0: I want to welcome you here today. So excited to see your faces and your little ones and um, what a fun time. What a beautiful day to be out and just get to fellowship with one another and hear from some great speakers and get to connect with other women. So I just want to welcome every single one of you. We're so excited you're here. Um, Whether you're a first time visitor or you've been here before, we are just so happy to see you. So um, we especially welcome you for your first time and just, you know, want to hope that you connect with another gal or two. And um, so we're just happy that you're here. Um, I want to just call your attention to a ministry we have called Hands and Feet. And there's been a slide up here, but it's just a a way to ingrain that in your children, just to teach them how to serve and love others. And so every month we have an activity, one that you can do Um, at home with just your family and other ones provided as well. So this year our church is doing these little boxes, kind of like the Compassion International boxes, but rather than send them overseas, we're we're, um, partnering with our local ministries, the ones that we are already in relationship with here in Dallas. So there's boxes um, that you can get and fill with your family and then return them. Um, I think it's by this Sunday And then there's also another project that you can do just as a family in your neighborhood to shine the light of Jesus to your neighbors. So be sure and get a handout if they're out at the table there. Um, we our next nest, if you want to mark your calendars, is going to be January 12th after the holiday, and it is entitled Rocks, Weeds, and Fertilizer. And um, we have our Suzanne and Jeannie who will be sharing with us, and basically um, with our theme of just nurturing the garden and not growing weary, we're going to look at the hard things, the small things and the big things, and just the, the small things in life that sometimes God is refining us, and if we, we might not want them to be in our lives, but Um, They are, and they're usually purposeful. So, we're going to kind of talk about that just how to, um, just that there are purposes for our challenges. Um, Today, we have uh, Holly Barnett and Jessica Patton out, and um, they are going to share with us just uh, about our homes and the role that we play in that, and how we can love our families through having a home that is a place people want to be. And um, just a nurturing, wonderful place to be. So, we're gonna bring them up here and I'm gonna pray for them. And we're just happy to have you, happy to um, start off our holiday season together. And um, your kids are well cared for, and you have a great table leader and just other women who are in the same season of life. So, what a privilege that is. Holly and Jessica. I don't know where they are. I saw them a minute ago. Here they are. Like I, I didn't start till I had my eyes on them. Okay, I'm going to pray for them, Father. Thank you for Holly and Jessica, Father. We just thank you for the work that they've done, um, that they they have such a heart for you and your Word and family and home, and so we just entrust them to you today, Lord. That their words would glorify these, glorify you, and help these women. Just um, that they would want to grow more in their relationship with you. That they would um, just. Have a desire to honor you with the way they live and the way they operate their homes and that no one would go away feeling overwhelmed and with a big long to do list but that they would just be inspired towards excellence in everything that they do so um, just uh, pray that they would have hearts to listen pray that our speakers would not be distracted or um, um, tongue tied lord but that they would just be a, a great morning of about focused on you and how we can love others by having a home that's welcoming. And we pray all this in your son's name, in uh, Jesus' name, amen. Hey babe, how was your day? How? Uh
1: oh. So, yeah, it was just a normal day.
0: How was your day?
1: Um, well, my mommy snorkeled with me when I was scared. I love my baby sister so much. We laughed so hard that bellies hooded. <laughs> and mommy gave us lots of kisses. We were full fun, why? But the best
0: part of the day.
1: We <laughs> <laughs> and Mommy had a food fun. It was the best day ever. <laughs> you ready?
2: Our pictures? Oh, okay. Go ahead.
1: Enough, mom. Yeah. Am I on? Okay. Hi. Welcome to the nest. Um, my name is Jessica Patnod, and I'm going to introduce to you my family real quick. There you go. Ah. All right. So as you can see, I am 100% boy mom. I have four boys. David is seven. Elliot is six. Micah is four, and Nathan is two. And Um, At the end of this month, I will have two seven-year-olds for two weeks, because those first two were born in the same calendar year, and no, it was not on purpose. Um, I have been with my sweet husband since we were about 16 years old, so going on 16 years together, and in March, we will celebrate 10 years of marriage. Uh, He is the athletic... um, Facilities Manager over at the Covenant School, um, and I stay home, and it has been a great life. Um, I would say these people are my refining process
2: for sure, but it's been good. It's been a fun, fun journey. And and a cool side note: uh, both my kids went to Covenant, and both my kids had Jessica's husband as coaches either for soccer or for football. And my daughter Emily had him for Bible in the seventh grade. So we have known Coach P and Jessica pre-kid. So we've known them for a long time. All right, this is my family. I'm Holly Barnett. That's my family. That is my husband, David. And we've been married for 28 years. And we got married when he was in medical school. So he is a physician uh, down at Baylor. And then that's my daughter, Emily. She's 22. She is a senior at the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Go Frogs this weekend. Go Ohio State this weekend so the Bama can get in the playoffs. It's just a little selfish plug there. Um, anyway, she's going to graduate in May, which is like, I'm really not old enough to have a daughter who's graduating from college, but I am. And she is in the process of uh, applying to graduate school. She wants to get her master's in mental health counseling. So very exciting. We're very proud of her. And then my son Daniel is a junior at Baylor, sick and bears. And he is studying accounting, um, which still blows my mind because this is the child that math was not really his strong suit. But somehow he got to college. And it just clicks. So for those of you who have little ones doing like Singapore math or some, if you're in that stage, just like hang in there. There is hope. Don't don't think they won't choose a path just because they struggle with it when they're little. So um, I'm going to pray for us just one more time uh, before we dive in. Dear Lord, thank you for all these women that are here. And just know in a room like this, there are moms that like are barely hanging on. They just barely got here. They're here. They're sitting in the chair. They're thinking why am I here? But I just want you to know you're here because what you're doing is super important. And Lord, I would just ask that you just encourage every mom that's here, just let them just uh, calm down, just take a deep breath, take a sip of coffee, have a little food, get a pat on the back from a, from a friend at the table, and just um, sit and listen in the quiet without anybody hanging on you. And um, we just ask you be with everybody this morning, be with Jessica and me as we teach. In Christ's name, amen. All right.
1: Amen. All right, so a quick little disclaimer. Um, we want to make sure you guys understand that this is not a stay-at-home versus a work-from-home versus a work-outside-the-home talk. Um, these are principles that apply regardless of your work status. And our theme for this year is Committed to the Harvest from Galatians 6.9. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So um, we have a quote from Mother Teresa that says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Um, And also, the verse before is so relevant to this talk today, there's no place like home. Making a home for your family is such a high calling, like Holly said, and it matters to God but we can grow weary while doing that. So our focus today is to give you ideas to help you create a home without growing weary or giving up. So we're going to cover the biblical role of a homemaker, creating a home mission statement, establishing your board of directors, and practical aspects of home. Home management. Oh, home management. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, great. Um, All right. As Jessica and I were getting ready for this talk, it it made me think of when I was a little girl. And one thing that I would like to play, especially when I had friends over, was house. How many of you show of hands remember playing house when you were a little girl? All right, that's a lot of you. So I think it's super ironic now that when we were little, we thought playing house was so fun. And um and now you do it for real, like it's just not quite the same. So and and a lot of you may have little girls who actually are playing house too. And it's like for me I had Susie Homemaker oven and we had a little plastic food and we had we might have had a little table that we set and if there was a boy playing with this, then he could be dad and he would take the trash out and all this kind of stuff and it was just like so fun to get to do that. Um, but like I said now that you're in it for real it, it, it's not quite as fun sometimes. So um, hopefully today we're just going to unpack the role of the homemaker and hopefully give you some practical tips that can help you in this job that you, that you have now and that you're going to have for the rest of your life. You, your, your job to make a home for your family. So um, your icebreaker question was, what did you, um, so go back up, you're all a little ahead of me. Okay. Um, so what do you think of when you hear the word home? So how many of you, when you hear the word home, think of the home that you grew up in? Okay, and how many of you think of the home you have now with your family? Okay, so and and that may be because of you know the way you were brought up or the fond memories you have of your home. Um, so it's going to vary for everybody. So how many of you think of home as the perfect home? Let's show that picture of the mom. There we go. Okay, so we got it's like all is well and happy, and the daughter is lovingly helping her mom fold sheets, which. That who wants to fold a sheet? Nobody. Um, yeah, they match. They, it's just like, so that is like the perfect home. Okay. Let's go to the next picture. How many of you think of your home? as like the messy home. Like bomb has gone off. I see a, I see a hand from Jill Garcia, sweet thing, pregnant with number four <laughs> over there about, about ready to have that baby any moment. So, um, yeah, messy home. So we're all, we're all coming into this. We're coming from a different place. All right. Now we're going to switch gears. What do you think of when you hear the word homemaker? So some of you, if you heard Alison Treadaway speak in October, when she talked about marriage, she talked about the word helper and how we're to be a helper to our husband. And she said, it's kind of gotten a bad rap. It's like being a helper is almost like a like a bad word. And I think homemaker, especially today with all the women empowerment and all this stuff, homemakers is gotten a bad rap, but homemaking is re, it's really a high calling. And that's what we hope that to get across to you today to embrace that. It'd be something um, that you should be proud of and not shy away from. But I know um, go to the homemaker slide. Okay. So we've got this, a homemaker is a person, especially a housewife. That's another you know, edgy word, who manages a home. But I love this. I'm a homemaker. I solve problems you don't know you have in ways you can't understand. Like, isn't that the truth? Isn't that what you do all day long as moms? Um, But for those of you that like homemaker is like, "Mm, I don't want to be called a homemaker. Like, call me anything but a homemaker. We have an alternative for you this morning. And that is the COO, the chief operating officer. And that, the chief operating officer is responsible for the daily operation of your home. And the COO shirt says the same thing. I solve problems you don't know you have in ways you can't understand. So whether you're in the homemaking camp or the COO camp, this is for you today. You can, you can pick whichever horse you want to ride and, and make yourself comfortable with that. We are going to pull some corporate things, the board of directors mission statement as we go through today. But um, Jessica is now going to unpack what the Bible has to say about home and homemaking.
1: All right, so I'm going to read from Titus 2, 3 through 5. Um, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husband, that the word of God may not be reviled. So, homemaking is is a profession in and of itself. Um, there's a lot there that uh, we are called to do. And also in Proverbs 31, which I know the Proverbs 31 woman, she gets a bad rap, just kind of like the word homemaker. Um, but there are so many great qualities of the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, most people don't believe that she's a literal person that like did all of these things. These are um, just qualities, good godly qualities that we can glean um, wisdom from. So some of those qualities qualities are she is classified as a virtuous woman. She is a help to her husband. She is a wise shopper. She is a faithful cook and she is diligent and she's busy with sewing and she is full of compassion and she looks ahead for her family and she is not taken by surprise. So once again, remember, she's not like a literal person that we're supposed to do all of these things. But she's doing what is best for her family. And that's the biggest thing we need to remember here is we, we are homemakers to 100 plus different families. And so those are all gonna look different and we need to remember that um, when we read these scriptures that we're not all gonna look the same. And that's um, something I really want you guys to remember. You're doing what's best for your family. And some of the rewards um, of a homemaker in uh, verse 28 of Proverbs 31 is her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, he praises her. And I can attest to this, and not because my kids are raising up and calling me blessed. Remember, there's seven and under, but I am a daughter of a woman who I thought did an excellent job. And my mom is here. I cry. Shout out, yay. (laughs) But She, well, she made it look really easy, which that's one thing you could have done a little bit better. You could have made it a little harder. (laughs) 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 But she did an excellent job. She did these things in Proverbs 31 to the point where I wanted to emulate what she did. I wanted a husband, I wanted kids, and I wanted to be a homemaker, and I never saw that as a bad thing, and I'm very thankful to her example. And my brothers and sisters would attest the same thing. Um, no one else is married yet. Um, but they would definitely say that our mother was this person and that we rise up and call her blessed. And it's an example that I have that I want for my boys. Of course, I don't have daughters,
2: so we look a little different, but, um, thank you. So, and I do have a daughter that you saw in the picture. She's 22 and, um, she hasn't risen up and called me blessed either, but, (laughs) um, but, but she has in not so many ways. When she was home, um, Over Thanksgiving, we had a lot of time to help cook and shop and stuff like that. And she's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get married. I'm going to be calling you every single day, asking you questions. And that was just like music to my ears. It's like, (laughs) that was awesome. And just um, the sweet relationship we have now and how she values what I have to say, um, that is rising up and calling me blessed as far as I'm concerned. So I would just and then just again encourage you ladies. Just I mean it's hard. You don't get a lot of rewards. You don't your little three year old isn't going, Blessed mommy. Yeah, no. But happening. But the fruit doesn't come right now, but it's coming later. All right. We're gonna talk now about creating a home mission statement. Mission statement for your home. All right. So you're asking yourself, what is a home mission statement? So you think of a lot of corporations, like Starbucks, different places, have a mission statement. Like if you go on their website, it kind of tells you what they're all about, what their purpose is, what their, um, you know, what makes their corporation different than other corporations. So a home mission statement for you is what you want your home to be. Um, what you want it to be for your people, how you want your home to help you and your family carry out whatever it is, like if you have a family mission statement. How, so what? what is your home? What do you want it to be? How you describe it? Um, and the good thing about having a home mission statement is if you have it, when you get really discouraged and weary, you can pull it out and remind yourself, okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm trying to accomplish um, by having a home mission statement. It just helps you keep focused on, on what it is you're trying to do. So a mission statement for your home is similar to but different from a family mission statement. It's not about what you as a family want to be or accomplish, but it's about what role you would like your home to play in that mission for your family. And a great scripture for this is uh, Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Through wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. If you look at the three main things going on in that verse, we have wisdom, we have understanding, and we have knowledge. And I think all of those things are key um, to you as you unpack what you want your home mission statement to be. And I wrote a home mission statement for my house, or for my home, and I have to confess, I did not have one when I was you at y'all's stage of life. I wish I had of. But as I was writing this, I'm like, this is a great, it's a great thing for me to have and to remember, especially now we're in this hectic kind of holiday season and you can easily get yourself distracted by the tyranny of the urgent. So it's great to have this to to look back on. So my uh, home mission statement is, my home is a safe, warm, cozy place where my people feel loved, nurtured, and encouraged to grow and serve. So that's just mine. Yours is going to be completely different, but um, it's a good just example to give you. So as you're thinking about what your home mission statement's going to be, I want you to to ask yourself, so what role do you want your home to play in your family? Is your home, is it just going to be a place for them to like, eat and sleep? Or is it going to be a refuge where they want to be? What do you want your husband to think of home? So I know for me, like I want my home to be a place that my husband wants to come home to at the end of the day. I also want my, my home to be a nag-free zone. I don't want to be the dripping faucet or the wife on the edge of the roof, you know, just nagging, nagging, or waiting to bombard him with the today's bad things the minute he walks in the door. I want, um, especially when my kids are little, um, I wanted my home to be uh, calm. And I know that that's like a super high calling, <laughs> but just not like crazy off the charts. Um, but that that's kind of what I wanted for him. So, and then what about your kids? What do you want your kids to think of home? I know for a lot of you, you're like, I have an eight month old. I have a three month old. Like they don't have an opinion. Like how could this matter? But they won't always be little. They will grow up and be big people. And I can tell you now that I'm in the empty nester stage, it's, I want my kids to come home. Like you want them to come home. Like now you're like, I would love to have four hours in my home by myself. When you're in the empty nester stage, you're like, come home, come home. Let's get the house full and busy again. Um, and you also want them to, they, you want them to bring their friends home. I think that is just, it's such a cool thing when they go off to college and they make new friends, people that you've never met. You don't know their parents. They're using their own judgment. They're bringing people home. And I love it when they bring their friends home from college. It's just so cool. So for me, um, and this didn't start like when they left college. It just started like as you, you get ready in high school and you know they're going to leave. Like, I wanted my home to be a place they want to they come to. And when they're younger, you, wanted to be a, you want them to be at your house versus their friend's house. So that's what, uh, for me, was important for my home mission statement. So remember, every home is different. So how many of you grew up in a home where you're like, I want my home to be just like the home I grew up in? Show of hands just a few. How many of you are like, there is no way I want my home to be like the home I grew up in. Okay. About the equal. And the rest of you are probably like, there were some great things about my home. Your husband probably has some great things about his home. You kind of want to meld the two together. When you think about your home, you might have like, you might be the kid who was at the neighbor's house all the time. You were drawn to a certain house because of the way, the hospitality they showed, the the friendship, just the way you felt warm and loved and nurtured there. And that might be what you pull from when you write your mission statement. Just remember, though, comparison's a thief of joy. Like, don't don't compare your house to somebody else's. If you can pull on things that help encourage you, that's great. But don't, don't go down the negative path. And you're going to have an opportunity here in a few minutes to um, start writing your own home mission statement. But now I'm going to turn over to Jessica and she is going to talk about establishing your board of directors.
1: Alright, so I never worked in a corporate setting, so, I, you know, this definition, I had to look it up. Um, a board of di- what is a board of directors? So, a board of directors is a recognized group of people who jointly oversee the activities of an organization whose key purpose is to collectively direct the company's affairs. Blah, 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 blah. That's all I heard. So <laughs> for our purposes, your board of directors should be the people who help you oversee your home and direct the affairs of your home. These individuals should be people who point you towards Christ, encourage you, speak truth, spur you on as you tend to the affairs of your home. That I can relate to. And the verse that we have that goes along with this is Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So, with that being said, who is on your board of directors? Who are the counselors and the voices you listen to? Are they pointing you towards Christ? Are they encouraging? Do they give wise counsel? Do they spur you on? Or are you listening to TV commercials, print ads, Facebook, Instagram, or blogs—do you need to kick somebody off of your board, or something off of your board, and replace it with a wiser and better choice? And do, you, or do you need a spiritual giant, kind of like Paul, you know, um, teaching a younger brother, well, sister, uh, somebody teaching you um, in a way like Paul did on your board? So um, I'm going to share my board. Uh, so. Um, my husband is at the top of my board, and then my mom, and then my community group, and then I have a close friend, Naomi. Um, so in reference to home, I probably don't talk to my husband all that much about certain things, but I would say my mom, I probably call her a lot about different things um, in reference to just home management in general. Um, and then I do this friend, um, Naomi, I've met recently through social media. So. You, can, you have to be careful with social media, obviously, with boundaries. But this woman, um, she loves the Lord. She encourages me. I met her through Instagram. And so we encourage each other in a platform that is all about comparison. And so it's been great to have that um, person in my life and on my board to encourage me in an area that if I didn't have it, I could easily fall down the rabbit hole of just, like, comparing um, people's pretty pictures to my real life. Um, and then community group, um, but uh, if you're a member here at Watermark, community is something that we strongly encourage um,
2: followers of Christ to be in. So that's my board. Okay. Now we have my board, which is uh, David. My community group, which is uh, Gail Stofer, Amy Galvin, and Kathy McJunkin. Elizabeth Tamlin, who's the one who introduced us, uh, one of the other mentor moms. And we've been friends for 36 years So a lot of you aren't even that old. So it's pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) that we've been friends for that long. And then my daughter. So um, just like Jessica, like David's on my board because obviously, you know, we're married and we, we make decisions together. But he has about a fourth amount of words that I do. And he wants to fix things. So he does not want to listen to me mentally discuss, like, plans and feelings and things like that. It's like, no. Like, that that's not his role. That's why I have the women on the board. Um, and then my daughter, it's just, I'm just going to encourage you. It's so cool. I mean, she knows me so well. I mean, she, you know, lived in the same house with me for a <laughs> long time. She knows me. She knows kind of what my hot buttons are, whatever, she can call me out, Mom, you know, you really need to chill out on this or, you know, listen to what you're saying or I think you should really talk to that person if you're having these feelings this way or or encourage me, that's a great idea or thank you so much for what you did. Um, Thanksgiving, we had... 14 people for Thanksgiving. Two of those people were in wheelchairs. So it was a real challenge trying to figure out how to accommodate them in our dining room with the wheelchairs and stuff. And she sat in there with me. We moved furniture around. We moved chairs around. We tried like four different kinds of table, card tables and all this stuff. Because I didn't want to have like the kids table and the adult table because the youngest kid is 16. And anyway, like she had the patience to do that. And what also was thinking in terms of hospitality, we want everyone to feel loved and welcomed. And so it, it was just super neat to see that um, she has that role. And she told me when she gets married, I'll be on her board. So win-win. Um, anyway, it's just really, um, it's, just, it's just a cool thing. So one difference between my board and Jessica's board is that my mom is not on my board. And um, my mom is 85 and I love her dearly. And I was thinking about this, it's really hard because my mom, she was on my board at one time. But as she's gotten older, her perspective has kind of changed, and she I, she's a believer. There's not fruit, and um, she doesn't point me towards Christ. And that just I want to burst into tears just saying that. But for those of you that have a mom, you're raised in a family where you had a mom that was not like Jessica's mom. First of all, if you have a mom like Jessica's mom, you should leave here and you should call her. Don't text her. You should call her. <laughs> just say, I love you, mom. Thank you so much for being a godly role model to me. And if you're, if you're in the other camp, pray for your mom. It's really all you can do. But my point for this is it would not be a good idea if I have my mom on my board. Like if I called her with some, like if I, she would be like, why are you doing so much? I don't understand why you're doing this. You're exhausted. You need to go take a nap, whatever. It's just like, it's not like, she's not spurring me on to excellence. And so, um, She's not on my board. It really makes me sad. But I'm just giving those of you permission. Just because you have a woman in your life who's your mom doesn't mean she's best suited to be on your board of directors. All right. We are going to take table time for you to write a home mission statement and for you to establish your board of directors. So there's a space both on the front of your sheet uh, for you to work on both of those. Um, You can think about, you know, who's on your board, who might be on your board that you need to not be on your board. So work on that and then we were gonna give you time to share with your group what you came up with. And then when we come back, we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty. We're gonna talk about the practical aspects of home management.
1: All right, we're gonna continue. I know you guys are having some good conversation. I hope you guys are able to start a rough draft on your home mission statement and your board of directors. <clears throat> so we're going to talk a little bit about why this matters. Um, why is it all so important? Philippians 2:14 through16 do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without Fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So, the tools of a home mission statement and a board of directors are to help you in the role of a homemaker. We can't create, as Holly mentioned in her home mission statement, a safe, warm, cozy place where our people feel loved if we're grumbling and complaining. Now, this doesn't mean that this will magically be easy or fun all the time, but it will help us not to labor in vain. And then secondly, in Colossians 3.23, and I added 24, I don't think it's going to be up there, Um, whatever you do, do work heartily. One translation says, enthusiastically, as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. So we are fulfilling our role role as a homemaker for the Lord. Our children and our husbands benefit from our obedience, but the main reason is to glorify the Lord and the role that he has for us. So our goal now is to give you some practical tips to help you work wholeheartedly in your homemaking. So uh, the first area we're going to talk about, and there's a section on the back of your handout with the six areas we're going to cover, so you can jot some notes down. Um, is planning. So, um, I like... <laughs> I see Bobby is smiling at me because she knows I like to plan. So, I'm a paper planner. I like a paper planner. Um, and then there are people... And I like a pretty paper planner. Like, I, I don't go to Target and get some, to something generic. I like... This is like a hobby for me. But even if it's not, you still have to pick something. So, I choose paper. Holly chooses digital. I don't like digital except for birthdays, Um, but you got to pick something. So whether you pick a digital calendar um, uh, or a paper calendar, something fancy and fun, something simple and to the point, you got to pick something um, to plan your family. And I know several people, they plan by semesters. I just plan January to December. Um, I think when my kids get older, I'll probably plan more by semester, but I know that works for some people as well. One of the girls in my community group, she has a big like dry dry erase calendar and her entry, and she's made it really pretty so that it's not just this messy thing that she has to walk in on, but that's where she keeps track of her husband, her two girls, and her crazy work schedule. Um, So you have to have a method in which to write down things, keep track of stuff, and plan for your family. Um, Also under planning is just keeping inventory of the things in your home. Um, You're always going to need laundry soap and toilet paper. So you don't want to find out when you need to wash something that, oh, I used the last cat full yesterday, or that uh, your kit, you need toilet paper um, while in the bathroom. That's not good. <laughs> and um, it, it has, I've had panics before, thankfully there's been some in the garage. So I am, once again, you, you're going to figure out for me that I don't do a lot of things digitally. I'm a little old school, even though I'm young. Um, I don't do subscribe and save. I don't do grocery orders online. I like to go to the store. I know I'm not probably in the majority, but I go to Costco. I stock up on stuff. I have it in the garage. It's there to go. Holly, you know, subscribe and save. I yeah, even, I do, like, some, I some, I do some
2: subscribe and save. I order some stuff on Amazon. I order some stuff on Boxed. Um, like, if I don't have to go to Target, get me on the computer. Like, I'm happy to do that because if I go to Target, I don't just end up with toilet paper and cat litter. <laughs> I end up with like, oh, a cute sweater and this, and my daughter would love that. And this is so fun. And I've, the money I would have saved by going to Target, I've spent because I've put all this extra stuff in my basket. So That's true.
1: yeah, yes, this is true. I she d- just is
2: much more disciplined than I am. So, <laughs>
1: um, and then, um, so yeah, you just have, you have to plan ahead for different things. Um, gas in your car. So I, I put gas in my car. Um, I didn't grow up with a mother who had to put gas in her car. So I thought my husband would just magically do those things. <laughs> um, funny thing is, if you don't tell him, he won't do it. And even when you tell him, he's like, what's wrong? Why can't you go to the gas station and put it in? So I like to have, um, thankfully, I, I like to make sure there's always gas. I don't like to go past a quarter of a tank. My husband likes to push his limits. I'm waiting for him to call me one day on the side of the road saying, I really should have listened to you and, like, put gas in my car <laughs> to fill it up. It hasn't happened yet, but it might. So just planning ahead. I, I don't want to find out while running errands that I've got to stop to do that. So I just like to have those types of things ahead of time.
2: So Holly, do you have anything else that you want to add to, like, planning? So um, in terms of planning ahead, if you have children, and they are probably above two, they're going to be invited to a birthday party. You just know it's going to happen. So this is a great time of year. Things are on sale. If you see a toy that's a great toy, buy a bunch of them and just keep them. If you have an, a gift box or a gift closet or something like that, just pl- planning ahead for stuff like that, you're going to use them. Um, not and not having to run out at the last minute or on the way to the party and pick something up or order them on Amazon or whatever. Um birthday cards. Um, we did a, uh, run through for Allison Treadway on Tuesday. And I said, about, you know, stock up on, on cards, like have birthday cards and sympathy cards and get well cards and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, I don't ever send cards and I'm not sure how many people in our audience actually send cards. So show of hands, how many of you actually send real cards in the mail? Yay. <gasps> Yay. Um, so, and, and I'm guilty. I mean, I will text somebody happy birthday. But the, the art of sending a card and all that and like actually having happy mail to open as opposed to like flyers and bills yeah. and junk like that. It's like, I think it's a lost art. And especially for the older generation, like we love cards. Like you would really bless your parents, your grandparents, things like that. So if my favorite place to get cards right now is Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. They're not expensive. They're right cheap. there by the checkout line. They're not off color. So you don't have to worry about blushing when you open the card that it's going to say something inappropriate. So you're there getting groceries, grab a few cards and keep those. All right. Um, one thing I'm a big proponent of in terms of planning are master lists. And so that would be, I have, would have a master template for Um, instructions for a babysitter. And a lot of you probably have it. Instructions for what you do when you go out of town and you're going to leave your kids with the in-laws. Like, and that would, so just a template to start from. It's going to change every time depending on when you're going out of town or whatever. But the basic stuff, like this is the pediatrician, this is the dentist, these are my neighbors, these are the teachers, this is the, you know, if you you know, can't, if you start to wig out and you can't handle it, this is my friend you should call. Just things like that. Having a master list for those things just helps you get started. A master packing list. If you're going to go on a trip, especially when you are got littles and you've got all that paraphernalia, like there is nothing worse. You get there and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot the pacifier or whatever. And then you're out running around trying to figure that out. Just have a master list. And Jessica had a great point. She would take the master list with her on the trip, and then that would become the checklist for when you're packing up to make sure you haven't left stuff like the iPhone charger plugged Mm -hmm. into the hotel room or whatever um, to to have that list with you. So packing, babysitters, if you have somebody like taking care of your pets, things like that. also like if you go on any kind of special trips, like if you go to the beach, like that's a whole new animal. Cause then you got to have beach toys and floaties and sunscreen and all this kind of stuff. But if like we used to take our kids to the beach and we did it year after year. So I finally got smart and it was like, I just pull up my list from last year and start there. And then you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, in terms of scheduling one, one thing that's really helped me, um, in scheduling is sometimes I would have to schedule margin. So I would just have a day and I would write hold on there. And that meant I'm not going to make, you know, I'm not going to make a play date. I'm not going to go to lunch. I'm not going to make a doctor's appointment. I'm not going to like, I'm going to make myself Mm -hmm. stay home and do all those things that have been like, you know, you, you need to, f- to fix something or you need to clean out a drawer or you need to like clean out your fridge or just even little things like that or you really need to like write some notes or you need to spend two hours on the phone with the insurance people or call the repair guy from that can't speak English for two hours or whatever it is. Just like give yourself you know schedule margin so you can get some stuff done and especially when your kids, get in school and you have this, like, finite wind of time and you can't ever get anything done or you can't get it done when they're around, just scheduling margin really helped. All
1: right. So our next area is laundry. Um, So it always has to be done. Just in case you're wondering, it's not going to go away. So one of the ways that I helps me stay on top of it is I do a load a day. Um, It doesn't matter how big or how little it is, because if I wait the next day, it'll be twice as big. There are six people in my house, and they're dirty. They're boys. So there's lots of laundry happening, and and a load in a perfect world is washed, dried, folded, put away. Now, I'm really good at the wash, dry, mostly folded, and half the time it's like in stacks on my couch or on my bed. They get moved to the floor, and then it's like, is that clean or dirty? So that's the goal of doing the whole load, all at once so that you don't have to ask yourself, clean, dirty, clean, and then have to do it all over again. Um, also, something that has helped me with maximizing space, with folding laundry, is um, there's a book from um, the New York bestsellers, "The uh, Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It's a Japanese art of cleaning. And um, it's a little, if you read it, it's a little weird. Some Say the things, title again. Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Um, she, she has you thank clothes. I don't do that. It's an it's a Eastern <laughs> culture thing. So, like, look past that stuff. But she's got lots of practical tips as far as purging. But how she folds laundry, I can get so much more thing, so many more things in my drawers by folding them in these little rectangles the way she suggests. Now, when I read it, because she is Japanese, translation English, didn't understand it, YouTube... How did you fold, I looked up her method, and there was a person who showed me exactly how to fold it the way she suggested. I did it, and now I do it without even thinking, and I can get all my kids' clothes that need to be in the drawers in there. Now, if my husband folds the laundry, there's always a stack on top of the dresser, plus the drawer, and maybe on the floor next to it, because I don't know what he's doing. But anyway, Holly
2: rolls. You roll your laundry. Yes, yeah, so space. like uh, boys, like basketball shorts, boxer shorts and um, like hand, uh, you know, I call them cup towels, tea towels, whatever you use in the kitchen, dish towels. Like if you just like fold them lengthwise and then just roll them up, then you can stick them in your drawer and you have all the different colors. Um, socks, put socks together like that, but rolling what it does But either method, what it does is you can see it and you can grab it without having to like dig through or, or unstack the stuff. And, and so <laughs> when you're, if your kids are little bitty, you're pulling out their clothes and it's not an issue that when they get older, or if you have a little girl and some little boys have an opinion about what they want to wear, they're going to dig through the whole stack and you walk and you're like, what happened in here? Like everything is out and on the floor. But if you have them this way, they can see, like, oh, those are my favorite red shorts, and they can just pull that one thing out. Yes.
1: Um, Another thing that helps me stay on top of laundry is um, not to buy so many things. Now, I do have boys, and it's really easy. Everything matches. I mean, it's red, blue, green, orange. Khaki bottoms, jean bottoms. It's it's pretty simple. I don't have tutus and sparklies, and you know, there's no princesses on my stuff that like need to match a certain pair of things. So I can't speak to that. But just having less clothing helps tremendously. Um, it helps with the laundry that I have to do, and then the putting away. So, and also with um, like linens, uh, we have a towel per person in our house. I don't have extras, so I can't possibly have three loads of Towels, which are my favorite load to wash, uh, to dry and fold because it's really quick. Like, you fold it really quick, it's like, ooh, five minutes, I got something done. (laughs) But um, I don't want to do three of them. So I have a towel for every person and washcloth. And um, Holly mentioned this, too, when we went through our run-through. Like, you're clean when you take a shower and dry off, so you don't have to, like, use another one. So that's why you have a hook, you hang it up, let it dry, and you can use it again. Um, Same with, like, when you put kids put pajamas on, freshly bathed babies at the end of the day, like, those are clean when you take them off. Like, look, don't create more laundry if you don't have to. Now, if they wet the bed, and obviously, you know, we wash it. But sometimes I find I just, instead of folding and putting it back, I might put it in the hamper just because I just don't want to deal with folding it and sticking it back in the drawer. But I'm creating more work for myself
2: in the end, so. Cats. Yeah. All right. Food. How many of you have families that like to eat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Nobody eats here. Yeah, I know. Wow. How many of you made breakfast? How many of you are going to get to make lunch? How many of you are going to get to make dinner? How many of you are going to get to do it tomorrow too? Yeah. Yes. It does not end. It just goes on and on and on. And it's, uh, you have to think about what you're going to eat. You have to write it on a list. You have to go to the store. You have to buy it. You have to bring it home. You have to put it up. Then you have to make it, you have to serve it, you have to clean it up, and then you get to start all over again. So that, just hearing that is just <laughs> overwhelming. It is just overwhelming. So right, how many of you grew up in a household where your mom like cooked and you felt equipped when you, when you got married to, to manage your kitchen and run the food department? Okay. How many of you were like, I, I'm completely clueless, help. I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay. All right, so we're going to try to try to sort of hit on both of those. So, um, I grew up. My uh, father died when I was very young, and I was an only child, so it was just my mom and me. So, kind of, I think by necessity, I was I was uh, enlisted in the kitchen very young because I think my mom got tired of doing it all, and so I learned how to how to cook and all that. And as a result, I I like to cook. I enjoy it now. Like the day to day stuff I just described, I, nobody. If we're honest, nobody really enjoys that. Um, but some more than others, and if you weren't equipped at all to do it, then it can really be a beat down. So hopefully we'll give you some tips for that. So I think the first thing is like, what, what do you make? Like, how do you figure out what you're going to make? And now there's Pinterest, and now there's the internet, and now if you want to make something, you can Google it. Let's, let's just say chicken spaghetti. You can get on Pinterest and do chicken spaghetti, and you're gonna, there's going to be 50 recipes with pictures that pop up. You get on the internet, same thing. And if, you, if you're a cook, like if you're like me and you like to cook that's so fun. <laughs> it's awesome. Cause it's like, Oh, they use this ingredient or they use this ingredient, or that's a way to cut out some calories. Or I never thought about putting mushrooms in there or whatever. It's so, like, I think it, it's really fun. But if you're not a cook, that just like blows your circuits. Like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Which one do I make? Where do I start? I don't know if my family's going to like it. Like, forget it. We're just going to have, you know, ravioli in the, out of the can or whatever you just give up. So I think a couple of good things, And Jessica and I talked about this because she likes to cook too, Mm -hmm. um, is have an old school cookbook like, um, that, that you, you can go, like, you know, you trust, you can go to, and you can use. So I have a couple. So one is it's necessities and temptations. It's from the junior league of Austin. Mine is literally, it is falling apart Mm because I have used it so much, um, it is, I think <laughs> Google that Barnes & Noble had it like for a $1.99. They have it at half price books. I mean, it's old, ladies. That's why you can get it. But what I love about this is they're good recipes. Um, you can you know actually make them and then there it's full of like tons of helpful hints like if you're ha- like how to set your table and there's pictures or like how the quantity of things you can buy if you're having people over there's a whole section in the back on like if you want to make play doh or silly putty or bubbles or whatever or your you know christmas cookie dough or just all kinds of different things anyway i this is a uh, to me is a trusted source the other one is the pioneer woman and I just pulled like one. I mean, she's. I think she just came out with her fourth cookbook. I think this was her first. What I like about this is there are pictures. So if you are not a cook, this is your friend. It's like put the butter in the pan. There's a picture. There's the pan. There's the butter. <laughs> You're like uh, melt the butter. Picture of the melted butter. Add the. the you know, it's like it is as foolproof as it can get. And it's written in like, she's from Oklahoma. It's written in plain language. You can understand it. She doesn't have a bunch of bizarro ingredients. I mean, she lives in a teeny tiny town. So it's stuff that that you have. And the other thing is like, it is yummy. Like how I didn't say healthy. I said yummy. (laughs) So I think, I think her cookbook's right. And she. You can, you can also get on the computer and, um, you know, Google, Google it and pull up her recipes. But the good thing about having a real cookbook is, especially if you're trying to cook with kids, you have your computer in the kitchen with a recipe open, and you spill milk, flour, uh, butter, melted butter, like, on the computer is no bueno. Like, having the book, and you can wipe a page off, especially if you get one at half price books for $1.99. Like it's, it's okay. So those are the cookbooks. Um, I would say on Pinterest, if you're really going to make something off Pinterest, read, read comments about what people like, this was awesome. I loved it. Or the same thing. I think there's like all recipes or different websites. Like read, like, did real people really make this and eat it? And what did they think of it? What Um, adjustments? Pardon? What adjustments did they make? Yeah, what it? adjustments did they make? Like way too much salt or yeah. I, this, you know, I cooked it as long as they said and it turned out terrible or whatever. I think, truthfully, if you're not a cooker, your best resources are sitting right at your table or there on your board of directors. Call somebody who you know has a handle on this and be like, help, what do I do? What did you make for dinner last night? We're in a rut. I need some help. Just Reach out to, like, normal people. Okay, meal planning. Same thing. Ask your friend, what are you planning for dinner? Or get get some ideas from them or your community group. Ask your husband, hey, is there anything that you would really like for me to make? Or give me three things that you would like to see us have for dinner. When your kids get older, you can ask them. You have to wait till they're old enough to not be, like, pasta, mac and cheese, pizza. (laughs) Like, you know, you have to, you know... Get them a little bit older so they give you good input. Um, Some people, um, there are all kinds of things on the internet in terms of meal planning. Like some people want to plan a whole month at a time. Some people do a week at a time. Some people do a rotation where they fix the same thing every single month. If you're stuck in this, um, you can go to the internet. Come up here and ask us afterwards. This is kind of, we both really um, like this area. So we're happy to help you. Happy, happy to help you. Couple of things I did when I was in y'all stage. One was a cooking co-op, and one was what we called the frozen food network. So, a cooking co-op is basically you get three or four friends that are like-minded, same stage of life that you're in, meaning they don't have like teenagers, and you have a four-year-old, um, and you fix four meals of the same thing and then you switch with them and then so you only cook one day a week and then the other days of the week they bring food to you. So the I've been in, I've probably been in four of them I think, different ones. Some, one I was with a friend we met at the ballet studio and she gave me her meal and I gave her mine. Uh, we had one word like I delivered um, on Monday and cooked Sunday, delivered Monday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I had food brought to me. Some people want the food hot. So you just have to put on the table. Some people, it goes in the fridge. Allison was in one where they did all this swapping and everything on a Sunday, but the cooking co-op, um, could be a really great thing. The, the, The key to that is it, it, you can't be driving to Frisco if you live in Lakewood. It's got to be in your neighborhood, and if you're gonna, if somebody you're doing life with in the same neighborhood, or you see them at the soccer field, or whatever, that's really key. And you also, need to have the same standards. Like, if if casseroles don't fly at your household, then you need to make sure that you're not getting, you've made you know, baked chicken and you're getting four casseroles the rest of the week. So that's, that's key to that. The frozen food network was we would, um, like 10 women would get together. We would all make an entree. And freeze it. And by the entree, I mean like it would be a roast that's ready to go in the crock pot, a flank steak that's ready to go on the grill, chicken that's ready to be baked in the oven. And I would make 10 of the same thing and bring it. And then you would leave with 10 different things that can go in your freezer. So you keep track of the money and it all, like people that buy meat, it's going to cost more than the people that buy chicken, but it all kind of evens out. And then you have those 10... I know they would be like gold to me, like, oh, do I really want to use one of the frozen food entrees from the freezer? But then all you're responsible for is like a salad or vegetables or a side dish or whatever. You didn't have to think really about what you were going to have for dinner. So that sounds interesting to you, and I didn't explain that clearly come and find me. I'm happy to help you. And I've got a whole slew of recipes, probably like 35 recipes of things that we made. And a lot of them were like five ingredients. So it sounds overwhelming, but I would get my red solo cups out and I would just pour all the ingredients in the cups. And then you get your Ziploc bags and you put all your stuff in. It wouldn't, it take you maybe like an hour to make 10, 10 recipes of the same thing. So It was a complete win-win. All right, grocery shopping. Now you've got, I haven't personally done any of the online grocery shopping. I know Jessica has mm-hmm. um, in yeah, a pinch. I
1: mean, yeah, Prime Now, Sprouts yeah. has helped when sick kids or daddy has not come home in time. Yeah. And I'm not taking four children to the store. So
2: you can, you can do that, <laughs> but um, I, I, how many of you actually have groceries? Just, you only do groceries delivered to your home. Only. Yeah, mine. you. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so for... <laughs> okay. All right. She said it was amazing and that's how she's going to do it. So for the rest of us that go to like the real actual store, what I would say to you is shop early or shop late, go as early as you can in the morning, go as late at night as you can. Don't go between three and six. That's when everybody is like, oh my gosh, I have nothing to feed my family. The store is crazy. You have children. You're in a hurry. You go and you buy three things and you get in the car and you're like, I we need a milk. I don't have milk. Um, so don't do that. Um, think about when you're going to shop. Let's see. All right. Now I have a, what I call my basket of tips, just practical things over the years that, um, I've used that have helped me. And my, uh, first and most favorite thing I have in my kitchen are kitchen scissors. How many of you have kitchen scissors? Yay. Okay. So you can, you can, uh, you understand how amazing these are, especially if you have little bitties. Little bitty people eat little bitty bites of food. You're constantly cutting up meat, grapes, cheese, sandwiches, any anything. Your kitchen scissors, your friend. I saw these recently at Marshall's. They had two in a package for $5. Like, they're a bargain. Um if you have a pot, like say you're making stew in a pot and you look in and then your chunks of meat are too big for your family. You just stick your scissors Mm -hmm. down in there. Seriously. You don't have to like get the meat out, put it 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 on the cutting board, get a knife, get a fork, you know, it's just, they're messy. They're all purpose. Really like them a lot. Okay. The next one is parchment paper. How many of you know what parchment paper is? Okay. Some of you. All right. So I'll show you Not to be confused with With wax wax paper. Okay? Very important. (laughs) That will smoke Parchment paper. Parchment is paper. Parchment paper. You can lay this on flat on a cookie sheet, like if you're baking Cookies or your baking rolls for your family, or anything like that, it absorbs the grease. And most of the time, you can get away without washing your cookie sheet. Sometimes you have to wash it, but you will not have to like scrub, especially if you forget about the cookies and they burn. So, parchment paper this is a giant roll from Sam's, they have smaller rolls. It's where the foil is mm-hmm. in the uh, grocery and store. Sheets. And you can also get sheets, yeah,
1: yes. they're pre measured, so
2: you just pull them out. And you lay it down. On your seat. Yeah. Even better. All right. The next one is press and seal. Really like press and seal. It's unlike saran wrap. How many of you use press and seal? Okay. So you know like when you use saran wrap and you pull it out and it's wadded up and it's all over (laughs) you and you can't tear it. And then you tear Tear that that off and you throw that away and then you start over. (laughs) Press and seal is not like that. It actually comes out it actually tears and then it sticks and it stays it is awesome and you can also use it in the microwave so i think press <laughs> and seal is great all right crock pot liners how many of you yeah i here. this Woo-hoo! Yeah. okay so the crock pot liner goes in your pot you put your food in there you cook and then when you're done you dump the bag out now if you, you have to wash your crock pot this will not save you from not washing your crock bag. But what you don't have to do scrubbing. is scrub. You don't have to soak it overnight with the dishwasher tablet in there. These are awesome. The Ziploc bags, which I did not bring. But, like, what do we do without Ziploc bags? Like, I can't imagine. They're not just for your kitchen. They're they're for everything. All right. Steam bags. How many of you have seen steam bags? Not very many. Oh, ladies, this is awesome. Okay. You get the same thing in the area, like, where the foil and all that kind of stuff is. It's a little bag, they're by Ziploc, and it tells you, like, cook with this side up. And on the back, it has asparagus, broccoli, carrots, cauliflower, green beans, potatoes. And it tells you exactly, if you have a half a bag, this is how long you cook it. You have a full bag, this is how long you cook it. You put your vegetables in there. You put whatever kind of seasonings you want in the bag. You stick it in your microwave. It comes out, and you dump it straight in the bowl you want to serve it in. And they are perfect so you don't have to get your steamer out you don't have to wash another steamer and then what i'll do is if you have leftovers they go right back in this bag and they go back in the fridge now you're not supposed to re-steam in these bags but they can be used for storage so i think we did um sweet potatoes for thanksgiving so we did all the sweet potatoes we like peeled real ones and did them But you can steam them in here. Potatoes, you can do eggs, you can do chicken, you can do all sorts of stuff anyway. I think they're great. You can also get these on Amazon. I think you get like, you can order like a quantity of 10. So get together with the ladies at your table and somebody order them and share them. All right, flour spray. For those of you that like to bake, this is called Happy Baking. It's spray with flour in it. So you don't have to. Get your little plastic bag on your hand, get your crisco, go around your, your cake pans, get your flour, go to the sink, shake it all over there. So this is a one one stop thing for that. And then finally, my last thing is good knives. If you don't have a good knife in your kitchen, now this is super be super fun. You could ask for one for Christmas. <laughs> um A good knife. It's just, it's, it's just like a carpenter needs good tools and a mechanic needs good tools. If you're going to be in the kitchen, you, you need a good knife. Now I know I told you the kitchen scissors were the way to go, but there are times when you need a knife. You can't really cut a tomato with a kitchen scissor. Like you need, you need a good knife. So, okay. That's enough about cooking. Jessica's going to talk to us about another super fun area cleaning. Yay.
1: So much fun. All right. So what is your standard? for cleaning. So is your idea of this perfect, pristine, white glove, pass the test, or the house you live in? Like, what are your standards? And um, we mentioned this earlier, too, but, like, talk to your husband and find out, too, what his standards are, because you might be killing yourself for something that he's, like... Why? I do, it doesn't really matter to me that everything looks as perfect as it does. My husband likes to know that food's pretty much done already and that the kids are happy. So I do a lot of my cleaning early in the day, and if it's a little bit messy in the evening, I'm not stressing about it because Robert doesn't care, so I'm not going to um, waste energy when he's not even noticing that I have spent hours making it perfect for when he walks in the door. Um, and now, this is something that I do often. I love setting a timer. When I don't want to clean or I've been procrastinating for a while, I set a timer and I race the timer. I'm competitive, so it's just a way of me, like, I wonder if I can do it faster than the time I set. Usually I can. Um, And so I do it a lot for, like, the areas that can get kind of gross or that you just have to make sure they're cleaned regularly, like the kitchen and the bathroom. And um, the bathroom especially because I really hate cleaning. I mean, remember, I have four boys. I really hate cleaning the bathroom. So (coughs) that's a great timer Um, cleaning area, and usually I always get it done before the timer goes off, because I don't want to be in there. Um, But when you (coughs) set a timer, not on your phone, because if you set a timer on your phone, you might set the timer, and then ping, a notification went off, and you're like, oh, I need to check that, and before you know it, your timer's gone off, and you're still holding your phone. So I set a kitchen timer, the microwave, the oven, something that is not going to be enticing to, like, you know, I'm not going to stare at my oven timer. (laughs) <laughs> um, like I'm going to look at my phone to do other things. So, um, and then another thing that helps me kind of just stay on track is creating a routine for cleaning. So, picking um, a day of the week to do certain tasks. Um, there's some things that I do every day. You know, like the load of laundry I do every day. I clean my kitchen every day. But maybe I don't deep clean certain areas. Um, I deep clean the bathroom um, and. I say this, I need to be better. I've had a written schedule before and I <coughs> probably should revisit it. But like I used to do like deep cleaning on bathroom like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, just because four boys, like I said. Like that's, gonna like, that's always my excuse for the bathroom, four boys. I keep that thing pretty, pretty tidy. But you need to have um, some type of routine. And there, um, Pinterest is a good place to find people have, who like to clean, um, like, like making lists of this stuff. And you can just copy it and figure out, you know, the number of rooms you have in your house and follow the schedule to keep yourself on track. Um, That's what I have done in the past, or currently and in the past. I've just found somebody else's list, modified it to the number of rooms I have in my house and divide it by days. The things that I don't wanna do every single day, like mopping, because otherwise I'll forget something. There's something that's not gonna get done if I don't have a routine for when it's supposed to happen. Um, And then getting your kids involved. I should be better about um, chores with my children. Um, So this is me talking to myself as well. But my kids have a routine for, like, when they come home from school, like, their shoes go in a basket, their backpacks go in a certain spot. When they take off their school uniforms, because we're uh, we're in DISD, so we have standardized dress, like, they take off their clothes and they go in a certain spot. Um, So those types of things, I don't have to worry about cleaning up. But kids can be involved in lots of actual cleaning things. And um, um, something that Allison mentioned to us is that having, like, Tidy up time, putting on fun music, having the kids get involved, just, you know, don't make it long. I mean, you don't like, I mean, I don't like cleaning for long periods of time, so they're definitely not going to want to clean for half an hour or an hour. But like 10 minutes, five minutes, tidy up um, is really good with fun music. And then Holly, you have some really good tips uh, for cleaning supplies that
2: um, the bathroom yeah, just if you have more than one bathroom, like keep floors, your cleaning stuff in more house. than one place so that you're not having to like, I mean, and you can get a little tote and go room to room with your toilet bowl brush and your toilet bowl cleaner and all that kind of stuff. But if you have it in the bathroom where you're using it, especially if you've got little kids, like they're in the bathtub, you can whip out your Clorox wipes and like do the counter and do the sink or Windex the mirror or wipe the potty or the floor or whatever. Like just make it easy on yourself. I mean, it's just... Not that much m- more to have. I mean, you're going to use the cleaning supplies. So if you have it in one place versus two or three, doesn't really make that much difference. Yes.
1: And, oh, and timing your worst chore. What- yeah,
2: so um, actually this is a tip from Elizabeth. Um, so... And we actually kind of both share the same thing. Like, I hate to unload the dishwasher. So, and and it would just be like, I don't want to unload the dishwasher. And I'm like, when I should be like, I'm so thankful I have a dishwasher. I'm thankful I didn't have to wash all these dishes. Um, myself, which uh, we all know that in our head, but still there are things that we grumble about, like the laundry. We're thankful we have, you were not down at the river with the, <laughs> with the rub board, but still it's like somehow like putting away the clean laundry is just like such drudgery. But if you get a timer out, like I time, it takes less than two minutes to unload the dishwasher. It is just not that big of a deal. So if you have a chore that you really hate, time yourself and somehow it just mentally is like, this is two minutes. I can do this. Like, yeah. You can do anything for two minutes. Yes, pretty much. That would help.
1: I think that's all I have.
2: All right. I think I'm getting... Hair cut? Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. Okay. Big picture. So what is the big picture? These are just things that you have in your life that you have to deal with. And uh, one of those is purging. So we moved this summer. We were not planning to move. It was a very impromptu type thing. And so I had not been planning to move. And... Um, I became an expert purger because all of a sudden I realized when I started packing stuff up, it's like, where did all this stuff come from? Why do we have this stuff? Why we don't need to move this stuff? I don't, I don't want to pay somebody to move this stuff. Well, I got busy. And so my advice to you is don't be me. Purge now. <laughs> um, so you're in a perfect... When your kids are little... Like the, the good thing is, their clothes don't stay the—they don't stay in the same size clothes for very long. So when they outgrow stuff, figure out what you're going to do with that, and that may be, oh, we have another baby coming, or we have a, another child of the same sex, or whatever. But if you don't, then like, find a place to, in like, keep, you can keep the keepsakey things, but most of the stuff that little kids wear is trashed, and <laughs> and you're not going to want to save that for them for some precious memory. So find a place to to. To give it away or do something with, or there's all kinds of resources for that. Um, So, when they seasonally, when you're changing from winter to summer, summer to winter, when they outgrow stuff, Allison said she used to do like a pre birthday purge of toys and things like that because you know they're about to get the onslaught of the new stuff that from things you're all putting in your gift closet that um, is going to come your way, or pre Christmas. This is a great time to go through and really think about like. What do we have that we're not using, that we've outgrown, that we thought would be an awesome thing for them to play with and they're not playing with before you get the new onslaught of stuff? Mm-hmm. All the broken That pieces. comes in. And it, I laughed when we moved. I used to do this when my kids would get birthday presents. I wouldn't let them have all of them at the same time, I would pulse them back. <laughs> So I was packing up this uh, bathroom, and I opened the clo- I opened the cabinet above <laughs> the toilet, and there were all these like little boy, like six year old birthday gifts that were still in there. <laughs> My son is twenty. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> I know. So it's like somebody was the benefactor of these uh, these things I had kept kept back. Okay, uh, it, donation box. Like just have a place you're gonna stick stuff that you're gonna get rid of in your garage or in a closet or whatever. Jessica said her mom's almost on like a monthly rotation that they know every month, whatever charity it is she donates to is just automatically coming to her house and they're going to take the stuff away. So I think that is genius. You can sell stuff on online garage sales. Like if you have some, like you bought a stroller or some kind of big ticket item that you really don't want to just give away, you might want to make a little money to make buy the next gadget you need. Online garage sales, great. All right, another big picture thing is managing paper. What do I mean by that? I heard a couple of groans. Um, I just Let me just tell you, it's so much better than it used to be because before the internet, which I know I was, I like lived before the internet. Can y'all believe it? Like you didn't get bills online and you didn't get, you know, things you could just drag into folders. Like everything came through the mail. Every bill bill was paper. You paid things with a check. So it's gotten way better, but there are still some things in life that come by paper, like Uh, insurance policies, report cards, birth certificates, social security cards, uh, vehicle registration, a lot of that stuff, I mean, it's real paper, and somebody has to be responsible for that in your household. Um, And especially with kids, they get... And I'm sure it hasn't changed that and they're not sending digitally home your kids' homework and your coloring sheets and all that kind of stuff. So you're getting bombarded with all this paper. So for the important items, I have um, I have a bunch of these, but it's a basically like a portfolio folder that has a bunch of different pockets in here, and then you can designate however you want. This happens to be one when we moved, it was my opportunity to start fresh. And so I have a new one for my house where you have like warranties or things about if you got things repaired, your foundation or the roof or the sprinkler system or appliances or anything like that. I have another one called an estate planner, and that would be where I have... um, Immunization records, uh, passports, social security cards, birth certificates, um, just you know, car titles. I mean, the car titles are in paper. And somebody in your family has to be responsible for those. And as your kids get older, it's not going to be them responsible for their birth certificate. So they're going to be like, Mom, I have to have that birth certificate for college or whatever. And you you don't want to be going like, Oh, my gosh, where is it? I can't, you know, and then you have to order another one from the county where they were born or whatever. So get a system to keep up with the important pieces of paper. I also have one of these folders for each one of my kids. It starts K through 12, and in that would go um, their report cards, if they got any awards, if they got a letter from a teacher, like when you, I don't know if the pediatricians still do this, they would give you a sheet where it would have like, he weighs this much and he is this tall and this is the growth chart and this is, you know, whatever, like that would go in that, in that folder. So I would know like first, this is first grade, this is second grade. And it's just, you know where it is. And the main thing is find a system that works for you so that you can manage the paper so that you're not... Wasting time later when you actually do need it. Kids stuff. What I would do with kids when they would start bringing home stuff, like I and everybody has a different system. I would keep stuff for the whole year. I just had like a bin. I just threw it in, and at the end of the year, then when I had perspective, I could be like first spelling test, last spelling test these three papers that they actually wrote themselves. Um, and then like the wrote, like fill in the blank, all that kind of stuff, pitch didn't keep any of it. And so when we moved, I got to pull all this stuff out from my children. I'm like, see what I saved for you. And so my daughter was like, I don't want any of this stuff. And she threw it all out. My son was like, I want to keep all of it. like just different personalities. um, are wired different ways. But find a system that works for you. Artwork, some people like take a picture with the child next to the artwork, digitally. I mean, if you're like super fancy and you have lots of time, you could scan all this stuff in and keep it on your computer. And if you can do that, more power to you. I think that's awesome. But um, for those of us that don't have the time to do that, just having a system to to keep up with it and then figuring out how you're gonna manage it. At the end of the year, what I would do is take one of those big two-gallon Ziploc bags and I would write... Emily's second grade on it and just stuck all the stuff in there and put it in a box and it to live in the attic until we moved and then she threw it all away. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a plan. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see where we are. Um, okay, these are just some like really ugly things about your, y'all are adulting now, like somebody has to manage your house. And um, I think it my, I was raised by my mom so my dad had died very young. So I saw my mom doing everything. I mean, she, I, just, I didn't have a dad to do stuff. But I have a friend who, um, she grew up in a household where, um, I'm going to get this wrong, her, her dad did everything. And then her husband grew up in a household where his mom did everything. So she automatically thought he was going to do it. He thought she was going to do it. And as a result, nobody did anything. And when I'm talking about things like that, I'm talking about, like, well, car maintenance, changing the air conditioner filters. Like, did y'all know the air conditioner, your air conditioner has a filter and it actually should be changed? And, like, you think I'm kidding you, but there's some people who don't, who don't know that. Like, they actually have to do so. That actually means you have to purchase them and you have to put them in. So somebody <laughs> needs to decide, like... I'm going to buy them. You're going to put them in. In my household, because of David's work schedule, I buy them and put them in. Jessica buys them then and Robert put puts them in. It. But but the point is you have to have a way to manage that. Like smoke alarms. You need a smoke alarm in your home and, and it needs to work. So somebody has to put a battery in it. So like just to, uh, and when we recently moved, they have this new rule now when you, sell a house, you have to have a smoke alarm in the bedroom and in the, in the hallway or the door outside the bedrooms. There are like, there were smoke alarms everywhere and they were going off. Of course, the batteries never go out in the day. They always go out in the middle of the night (laughs) and you can't ever figure out which one is going off until you're wide awake walking around trying to figure out which one it is. So I went, I bought, I bought five year batteries. I changed every battery and every smoke detector, whether it needed or not. And I put a note on my calendar in a year, I'm going to do it again. Kind of like Elf. He can change the batteries in the smoke detector. Y'all are supposed to laugh. Um, Anyway, but just somebody has to, you have to have a plan for that. Okay. Fire extinguishers. Like you need a fire extinguisher in your home. Like how many of you have a fire extinguisher in your home? Okay. Those of you that don't, we, I actually had to use one, a friend caught her skirt on fire from a can, like we had a little Centronella candle out and I had to stop, drop and roll and do the fire extinguisher thing. So <laughs> I'm a big proponent. Um, but they sell these on Amazon. They're nine bucks and it's like a, enough to put out like a, like a, what you would need at home to put out a fire before you call the fire department. I bought one. They're like they're tiny. They can go under every cabinet. Mm-hmm. So I'm just little public service announcement there. But these are things that fall in the big picture of your home. Somebody has to be responsible for this kind of stuff, like the gutters. The gutters in your house, if they're full of leaves, the water pulls up. It runs under your under your uh, Shing- shudder your, your, your shingles eaves. your eaves. Yes. It can ruin your foundation. All it can. These are just like. Big adult things you have to deal with, and somebody needs to have a plan for those. All right. Now we're going to talk about, uh, quickly, special events. And so what I would tell you on that, my one um, key thing that I've done in this area that has been huge is I have a Christmas book. And this is probably one of the few areas of my life that's my, um, as my friends would call it, old lady. It's not digital. Um, Elizabeth does the same thing, and hers is all digital. But this is my Christmas book. I started it probably about 10 years ago. And what is in here is I write down everybody I have to buy for. And then as I buy for them, I write down what I bought for them. Because how many of you have gotten, like you go shop and then you get and you lay out everything to wrap and you're like... I have five things for this child and I have nothing for this child or I forgot I bought that or whatever. So that helps with that. I also have to buy for my husband's office. So that helps me keep track of like all the names of the ladies that work in his office. And then I write down what we gave them. We, you know, this much of, of a gift card or whatever, because you think you'll remember what you did but you won't. Like next Christmas, you will have no clue what you did, what you gave them, who their names are, and you just have to reinvent the wheel. This is especially helpful if you're doing like y'all seasons of life. You have lots of people. You might have soccer teams. You might have uh, people that serve at church or um, coaches, teachers, and things like that. I can write down like I'm a big bargain shopper, so if I find a really good deal on something, I might buy a bunch of those and give them like his neighbor gifts or teacher gifts or whatever, but you don't want to do the same thing the next year. So if you write down what you actually gave them, then you'll remember. And I think the most helpful thing that um, I have is at the end of the year, I go back and I make notes of what kind of like what worked, what didn't like. Mm -hmm. All the Christmas lights are burned out on the artificial tree. We either need to get a new tree or we need to Buy lights to put on it. Like I overbought wrapping paper, so I don't need any wrapping paper next year. But I do need tags, or I know I'm going to need um, uh, tape, or just what e- whatever, any kind of things. Like we, I made a new recipe and it was a disaster. Don't make that again. But just kind of keep or Christmas cards. Like how many you ordered, how many you sent? Because there's nothing worse than you think you've ordered enough and you're back on Shutterfly ordering an extra 25 cards or whatever. Or you order too many, and you're like, "Wow, this was a waste. I shouldn't have ordered that many." But that's what I do. And then I also have an envelope, just where I I only keep Christmas receipts mm-hmm. in this, so that at the end of the year, when you or after Christmas and you got to return things, you're not trying to dig through or figure out where you put them. I know, I know where they are.
1: Yes, I do that too. I didn't have it. I didn't call it a Christmas book, but
2: yeah, I keep the just receipts. a way. I mean, I think that the main lesson of stuff like this is like you think you will remember, but you won't unless you write it down, either on your digital calendar, in a book, something like that. And do the same thing for Thanksgiving, because I'm in charge of the Thanksgiving stuff. The master Thanksgiving grocery list, what we need to buy, because we pretty much serve the same thing every single year. And then I'll make little notes, like this year, my daughter tried a new sweet potato recipe. She's like, mm, no, we're going back to the new the new thing. Or you know if you had excess or something, like I made too many potatoes this year. I had to throw like half of them out. Like I hate to waste stuff, but we were, we were potatoed out. There was no way we were eating any more potatoes. So just stuff like that. All right. We've been on like speed dial. Yeah. All right. We want to give y'all time to process all this. Think about what areas are easy for you. What ones are hard? What changes can you make? Do you have some tip that you're dying to share with the ladies at your table? But the most important thing I want y'all to hear is, please do not leave feeling overwhelmed. Please leave feeling encouraged. Like, pick, pick two things. Like, I'm going to give that a whirl. But don't go, I must go home and I must redo all this stuff. Don't do that. So, sit and visit with your friends. And then uh, meditate on our opening thing back to the Mother Teresa. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So, be easy for all of us to do after this morning. So, Thank you ladies.